Good morning. Grab your Bible, if you will. We are in Hebrews this morning, chapter 13. We'll be looking primarily at verses uh, 17, 18, 19, but we will, uh, we will have verses 20 and 21 there at the end. This morning we're talking about it's good to be the sheep. It's good to be the sheep. Can I get an amen on that? It's good to be the sheep. I hope you'll know what I mean by that uh, as we uh, find our way through this passage. We are talking about two commands for believers towards their godly leaders. I appreciate the band uh, and and uh, uh, Brother Bill and Miss Linda and, and Miss Sarah Ann and, and put, setting our eyes on the future. I noticed there were uh, there were a couple songs there that talked about the future. And uh, this morning, that's what I hope we can have a chance to talk about. Maybe our uncertain days uh, are out in this world, but uh, I am certain that next Sunday, we will get to enjoy uh, what Pastor Jared Brooks will bring here to us today. And so for that future in the life of our church, I am excited, and I hope that you are too. And, and that's how God led me to this passage uh, this morning. It's good to be the sheep, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 and uh, through 21 there. I have heard a lot of sermons. I don't know if you have uh, heard a lot of sermons. Uh, I'm, I'm just 39 yet. I probably, I hopefully haven't heard as many sermons as I will. I'm sure many of you have heard more sermons than I have. Uh, grew up in church. You know, the old joke is nine, nine months before I was born, right? I, I was in church, right? Every Sunday. That's, that's the old joke there. So I can make that one. Uh, glad for that. Uh, appreciate that opportunity to grow up in church. And, and if you've been in church and if you've heard sermons, inevitably you have heard a sermon where they talked about the shepherd and the sheep. Have you heard a sermon like that? Have you heard a sermon like that? Everybody's hand should go up. It's, it's used in the Bible a lot, right? It's a common, common metaphor to talk about. And so, uh, but as I thought about that, as I thought about uh, the life of our church right now, I thought about, you know, the sheep kind of get a bad rap, don't they? The sheep, really, in the Bible, they're always talking about the shepherd. Really, the whole point of the analogy is not, not so much to, to teach us something through the sheep, but to teach us something about the shepherd. Of course, we know we talk about Jesus being our good shepherd, and so we see that analogy a lot. Pastors talked about as shepherds a well. And usually, usually it's, ta- it's about how you know, the shepherd is great, the job is tough, but, but really, if you think about it, the, if, if you had to choose one, I think I'd like to be a sheep, right? I'd like to be a sheep. In the, in the metaphor, what happens for the sheep? What's the sheep perspective, okay? The sheep get someone who cares. The sheep get someone who provides for them. They get someone who leads them, someone who protects them, someone who, if they do, get a little off track, right? What does the shepherd do? The shepherd comes, he finds the sheep, he brings them back. If you had to pick one, You'd probably like to be the sheep, wouldn't you? That, that's, that sounds like, like the good job, uh, the, the good role to have there. And the truth is we are about to get a new shepherd here for our church. And the truth is, I hope you know this, that God intends for congregations to be led. God has designed communities of believers, communities of faith, to be led by, to be shepherded by uh, someone, a pastor, a shepherd. God intends that for us. So if that is God's design, that we're supposed to be part of a flock and a flock is supposed to have a shepherd, if it's good to be the sheep, my question for you this morning is, what kind of sheep are you? What kind of sheep are you? How will you 
treat, how will you respond to your shepherd? Will you make the service that he performs, his duties that he executes to his master, will you make that duty easy? Are you that kind of sheep that may make it a little difficult? This morning, I hope to see in these passages that as believers, we are called to be faithful toward the leaders that God has given the task of shepherding his flock. I thought about examples of this in the Bible. We see uh, the writers, we see in 2 John, uh, specifically I found in, in 3 John verse 4, he writes, I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Paul writing to those that he has shepherded, people that he has called his flock. He says he finds no greater joy than to find that they're walking in the truth. The letter that Paul writes to Philemon, he asks a, a, a great thing uh, to release to him, Onesimus. He, he writes that because Paul has poured into his life. He has shepherded him. He has brought him the gospel. He has trained him up in the faith. And so he's asking him through that letter, this favor, that he might extend that kindness uh, to their brother in Christ, to Onesimus. We see these examples of, of shepherds and how they relate to their flocks in the Bible. And the truth is, when we are willing to follow those that God has given us to be our help, to be our guide, that's why we have uh, these people in our churches, in our flocks. When, when we are willing to follow them, we begin to find our way to completing that beautiful picture that, that Paul is fond of using that actually only appears in the writings of Paul and here in our book of Hebrews, and that is of that body of Christ. Many different parts working together, all given different duties, different tasks, but cooperating, being one in him working together toward common goals, guided by leaders, but ultimately following Christ. And then we can pray what Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's intent for us as we gather as believers, as we gather in faith, as we gather as those who have bowed our knee to Jesus Christ and called him our Lord and our Savior. It's God's design that we be here together, supporting one another, following the leaders that he has given us. We can complete that little slice of heaven, if you will. Heaven on earth, his kingdom come as it is in heaven. So we are talking about Hebrews this morning. Um, I, I can't, I got to make the joke. I always make the joke. You're not supposed to have favorites. It's kind of like kids. When you have kids, you're not supposed to have a favorite kid, right? You're supposed to love them all the same. I feel like the same is true for the Bible, right? It's all God's word. We should love them all the same. But I got to be honest, if I had a favorite, it's got to be Hebrews. Uh, just something about uh, the, the imagery and, and the way that the book is laid out uh, just speaks to my heart. I love the book of Hebrews. It's my favorite. Uh, so I'm excited to uh, preach from that, and some of y'all probably aren't surprised that God led me to Hebrews. <laughs> so it seems like he just keeps bringing me back around to it. Uh, I love it. Hebrews is written to a formerly Jewish audience, but now uh, has become Christian. And we can sum up its contents in one word, and that word is better. The word better appears 13 times all throughout the book of Hebrews. And the, uh, those 13 times, the, the writer of Hebrews talks about how Jesus is better than the angels. Talks about how we have now received a better salvation. Talks about how we have things that are better than what Abraham had. A better hope, a better covenant. Uh, Jesus has a better ministry than those Old Testament uh, priests did. 
We have better promises given uh, to us through Christ in God. Uh, Jesus brings better sacrifices. We have a better heavenly reward. We have the promise of a better place waiting for us. We have the promise of a better resurrection. Again, he says, we have received better promises. And the blood of Christ speaks a better word than the blood of of Abel. Better, 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 better. And I, uh, as I look at the book of Hebrews, I see what God has done for us through Jesus Christ is so much. What's the word? Better. Making sure you're paying attention. Good job. All right. So the main body uh, here is wrapping up. Many people see Hebrews as a sermon that has been recorded and, and edited under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit into this letter format so that it might be sent here and there to all these different churches that they might be able to read what God would have them to know. The main body of the teaching has wrapped up in chapter 12. The tone is now shifting to maybe more what we would be familiar with in the writings of Paul, the writings of John, uh, more this teaching kind of thing, what we, sh- what we should do, the commands, not just kind of a, a, a theology lesson, but now more the the practical parts here is where we find ourselves. Uh, the, the passage we're looking at specifically this morning is actually the, the end of what is bracketed, a, a little group here of verses together. They, they begin with the mention of leaders, and then the, the verses we'll study this morning are the ending mention of these leaders and how we should relate to them as believers. So what comes in the middle then, right? If there's a a beginning and an end, what comes in the middle? Uh, It briefly returns to a little bit more theology here, but ultimately what we see is the, our, our great leader, Jesus Christ, his example is held up for us to follow. And ultimately his example is a reason for us to worship God. Uh, in chapter 13, verse 7, I, sorry, I skipped this. This is the beginning part. It says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. What should we do? Imitate their faith. So that's the beginning part. And most likely these are the leaders in the church who have, have passed on. Their, their lives are on record. They, they have seen their race to the end. And so now as believers, we can look at those who have gone before us and we can, we can say, I see how they imitated Christ. I see how they were faithful to follow our Lord Jesus to the very end. And I'm going to pay attention to them. I'm going to remember them. I'm going to follow after them and imitate the pattern of their life. The middle section then, of course, Jesus and held up as the reason to worship God and uh, to, to just read a selection there from that middle section. Uh, Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. And of course, uh, as we talk from the old covenant perspective and now our new covenant perspective, what are the sacrifices that we offer up to God? They were listed there. They were praise doing good and sharing with one another. These are the sacrifices in the new covenant that we offer up to him to praise and to worship God in the example of Jesus Christ who went out outside the gates. He bore the disgrace for our sake. We go with him. We offer such sacrifices. He has given us access to God in such a better way, better way than we had under the old covenant. All right. I love Hebrews. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm good. I get excited about this. Um, But 
Here we see that these actions were probably those patterns of living, those, the, that way of practicing faith that those leaders who went before had exemplified. And we see that their example ultimately was imitating Christ and ultimately all of us are following our great leader, Jesus Christ, and that motivates us to great worship of God. So our verses for today finish this section and there's clear commands for believers in a community of faith toward their current leaders. We're going to see this morning two commands for the sheep toward their shepherd. First, believers should obey and submit. I almost said obit. That would be combining those together. Obey and submit to your godly leaders. Secondly, believers should pray for your godly leaders. These are our two commands for the sheep to their shepherd. So I would ask you if you would stand as we honor the reading of God's word this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17, and we'll hold off stopping at verse 19. We'll read verses 20 and 21 uh, as we close. So starting in verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not grief, for that, would not be unpro- for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I especially urge you to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for what you're doing in our church. God, we're thankful that very soon you will provide for us. Uh, a new shepherd to lead this flock here. God, I'm so grateful for those that you have gathered together, that they are here part of First Baptist Church. God, those who are joining us online as well. God, we're we're grateful that this is what you've designed us to be, not to be uh, sheep all alone out in the wilderness by ourselves, but you've called us to be together in community, in fellowship with one another, being led and all of us setting our eyes on the great shepherd, on Jesus Christ. God, we pray as we read these verses today, prepare our hearts that we might do your will just as Pastor Jared comes here, hearing your call, responding, taking up the work that is to be done here. God, we pray that we might be led well by him. We pray that we might follow well as we all seek to honor you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? You may be seated. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. We start off in our passage in verse 17 with the word obey. And and, uh, I I hope you you bore with me as I kind of tried to set the table for for these verses as we talk about today. Uh, It's important uh, because I hope that the the tone uh, maybe came through as we kind of went ramshackle through those verses. It may have been a little difficult. But the the tone of of what the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey here, uh, maybe as we just drop right into verse 17, it says, obey and submit. And those are strong words. And, and they, and they kind of might come across a little bit uh, authoritarian, a little bit uh, demanding, a little bit absolute. But, it, but as you work through that, that chapter and up to these verses, we see that it is as we submit to Christ and as we follow him and as these godly leaders have gone before and their example of their lives, that it's not an obedience out of compulsion, but it's an obedience out of desire. Uh, This word here, obedience, uh, obey, is to convince someone to believe something and then to act on the basis of what is recommended. Uh, Persuaded might be a a 
synonym that we could use here. And it's not the only place it's used in the Bible. As Paul spoke to Agrippa in the book of Acts, he said to Paul, oh, would, you, would I be so easily persuaded? Uh, it, it, more literally, uh, would I so quickly obey the gospel? Would I, would I hear the, what the gospel requires of me, and would I then obey what you're telling me I've got to do in response to Christ? That's this idea of being persuaded. Same idea here. As Gamaliel gives his advice, the, the believers in the early church, they were preaching about Christ, and Gamaliel says, as you know, some of the Jews, the Jewish leaders were getting a little worked up about this, right? So he says to them, hey, you know, let's take it easy. We might find ourselves to be fighting against God. You know, maybe this thing's of God, maybe it's not, but let's be careful with these men, these, these Christians, and, and what they're doing. We don't want to find ourselves uh, fighting against God, and it says they, w- they obeyed Gamaliel's advice. They were persuaded by Gamaliel's advice. We have the same idea for us here towards these leaders. Another instance is in James chapter 3, verse 3, where it talks about bits in the mouths of horses. Now, I'm no cowboy. Uh, I've been on a horse, but it was somebody else's horse. I, I don't know a whole lot about horses. But what I am told about horses is that you can't make the horse go using a bit and a bridle. But you can persuade them to go the way you want. Ultimately, if they want to fight back against uh, that guidance, they can do it. They can do it. But the bit is there to provide that guidance, to persuade the horse to go the way that they ought to go. This is the same kind of idea we see here in the word obey. And who is it that we are to obey? We're to obey these leaders. Again, we're reaching back there to verse 7 where the, the, the passage started. We've seen the pattern of those leaders' lives. These are now the current leaders. All these commands are in the present tense. They had godly leaders. We want to remember. We want to honor them in the lives that they demonstrated before us. How Christianity, how faith was lived out before us. But we also have current leaders. We have those who have God has placed uh, as that role in our lives. And also, we're here, these ongoing relationships with the leaders. That's what these commands speak to. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Again, ooh, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, in, in, in 2020, I, I, I bristle a little when people use words like obey and submit. You know, it's like, whoa, hey now, hey now. Don't, don't, don't get so bossy, right? But these are the commands that are given. Again, it's this tone. It's, it's this different side of submitting. Not, not a submitting that is, you know, with the iron fist, but the submitting knowing that someone is caring for you, knowing that someone has your best interest, knowing that someone is only delivering what they have received from God. And as they're imitating Christ, they're trying to be that example for you. And and so in that way, we do want to obey and submit to them. The idea here is to not resist anymore, but to submit. So as they're trying to, like the bit with the horse, you know, lead us in the way we ought to go. As our leaders are performing that role in our lives, we submit to them to yield, to give way, to concede to them. To comply. It even has this idea of you might give up your seat for them. You would yield way to them uh, and in that way honor. So there's these two uh, words, obey and submit, and really they complement one another. They're not necessarily meant to be treated in isolation, but as a pair. To obey, to allow the leader to lead, to allow the shepherd to guide you in the way that you ought to go, but also to allow for those times of correcting. 
And we know that, that Pastor Jared is not perfect. This side of glory, none of us are. Amen? We've all got things in our lives that we can work on, rough edges that can be smoothed down. We all have those places where we do, at times, need correction. And I'm grateful for God that he would provide for us shepherds, leaders, guides, helps, not just to point me in the way that I should go, but also to reach out to me when I start to get off track. These commands complement one another, obey and submit to them. But the writer of Hebrews gives us a reason, gives us a reason why it's not just a command, but there's reasons for it. And I love that. So for, what's the reason? For they keep watch. Great word. Compound word here. Uh, Metaphorically, it means uh, to to have a a charge uh, to to be overwatched like a a shepherd or a a guard at the city gates, right? They're keeping watch. But if you you break apart the compound word there, it, it could literally be taken as lose sleep over. Right? Because if you're up all night with the sheep, right, you're losing sleep over that, but you're keeping watch over them. Same thing if you're guarding the gates of the city through the night, right? You're losing sleep, but for that good cause of keeping watch over them. You know, for for anybody who's had the, the newborn experience, right, you lose some sleep over it, but you're keeping watch over them, helping them, providing for their needs. Keeping watch over what? Over our souls. That is the duty, that's the charge that those shepherds have been given. Again, it's good to be the sheep. That's a lot. To be, to be given watch over the souls of this congregation. What a great responsibility to be charged with by God. And not just given, but then as the verse finishes up here, to give an account. Relative to that charge, that duty, uh, what they've received from God, that call from God, they have a responsibility, but they also must answer to what they have been entrusted with. They should expect God to inspect what he's given them to do. Namely, they're judged on our behaviors. Yikes. Uh, that, that then turns a little bit of pressure on us, right? And, and that's really what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get here. We obey, we submit. They're keeping watch over our souls. They are trying. Pastor Jared is going to come and try his very best with the help of God and the Holy Spirit to keep watch over the souls of those who are here in this congregation. So what is our responsibility? The next part says um, that they can do this with joy. It's also for our sake. They've been given this duty to, to watch over us, and, but it's also for our sake that that duty would not be a burden because their joy as our shepherd, their joy uh, as the one who watches over us, keeps watch over our soul, their joy becomes our joy. It's either the keeping watch uh, or it could also be the giving of account. Either way, I think we take that, whether the joy comes from uh, the, the actual work of watching over the flock, we want that to be a joy. But also on that final day when they stand before, when these shepherds, these leaders stand before God and give an account for what they were entrusted with, don't we want them to be able to do it with joy? Don't we want them to be able to say, I, you led me to First Baptist, and God, thank you so much for, for gathering those people and allowing me the privilege of watching over their souls. They were such a joy to me. And Wouldn't you like them to be glad as they give a reckoning to God the Father of what they were entrusted with us? 
Wouldn't you want that to be a joyful experience for the shepherd that God is bringing here to us? Because he says that we want them to do that with joy and not with grief. Just like their joy becomes our joy, their grief becomes our grief. But that's part of being in a fellowship of faith, right? We, we, we uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, amen? We, we mourn with those who mourn. It, it's part and parcel, but we don't want to cause unnecessary grief because this word is not necessarily a good one. Uh, in James 5.9, it's the discontent that's directed against others. It's complaining strongly. It's muttering. It's grumbling. We don't want to cause our shepherd muttering and grumbling. In, Ma- in Mark 7.35, it's sympathy for, for a person who's deaf and mute, uh, lame in that way. We don't want to be spiritually lame and cause grief for our shepherd. In Acts 7.34, it's the severe misery and oppression the people experienced in Egypt. I surely hope (laughs) that I'm not causing the kind of oppression and misery and suffering that the people in Egypt suffered before God delivered them. I hope I can be a source of joy and not grief. And then this is how it wraps it all up. Why? Why why they're keeping watch over our souls. They're going to give an account. We want to cause joy and not grief. Why? Because that's not profitable for us. There's no benefit in us bringing grief to our shepherd, being a a hard sheep, a hard-headed sheep. We don't want to be that kind of sheep because then ultimately that's not, not profitable for us. As we obey and submit, as we ultimately follow after Christ, we obey and submit to the leaders God has placed on us. We, in, in a sense, get a profit, right? We get a return on our investment. God's given us these leaders for our good that we might all come together and bring glory to God. There's great profit in obeying and submitting, not in that authoritarian way, but in that way knowing that ultimately we all, as the body of Christ, give honor to the true head, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There is the profit, and I pray that you want those benefits just as I know that Pastor Jared wants them as well. You know, the shepherds, they have to go out into the field, and and I'm sure they, they go out and they know how many sheep that they have left the pen with. They know how many sheep were entrusted to them, and I bet the master has a record. I bet the master knows. You know, I sent you out with 100 sheep. I sent you out with 100 sheep, and guess what the master expects? The master expects you to come back with 98, 97 and a half, No, right? He expects the shepherd to come back with all 100 sheep. We realize, we must know that these shepherds, these leaders, they've been given a great duty as they respond to the call to come and lead. Not not just this congregation, any congregation that a pastor is called to. It's a great responsibility. And so as they keep watch on us, what can we do? We can be helpful to them. We can not wander, not be that hard-headed sheep. So, two, two takeaways for this. The first is to be open. To be open to what God would say through the shepherd. The primary duty of the shepherd is, is to bring God's word to us and, and that we might be edified and instructed and led in that. And so as uh, God's man comes and, and takes this place and delivers God's message for God's people, be open. Be open to what God would say through the shepherd that comes. We obey as he preaches, as he teaches, as he provides counsel. We, we obey, not because we have to, but we know that he's being led by God. 
And so thereby, he's been given the duty to lead us. We obey, obey to that. But then the other side, we also submit. In those times that he needs to provide for us correction, as is his godly duty, in those times that he needs to even provide rebuke, as we've gotten off the path, be open. Be open to the times we need to yield, we need to submit to the shepherd God has placed over us. Be open to obey as he preaches, teaches, and gives faithful, godly counsel to us. That's first, be open. Second, be a source of joy. And this one's the fun part, amen? Right? The open part's a little hard, like, I don't know. i got to let this guy tell me what to do. I don't know about that. All right? But be a source of joy. Bring someone who, when, when the shepherd sees his sheep, the smile just can't help but spread across his face. A properly concerned shepherd is going to lose sleep over the sheep because he knows that the dangers are all around. The, the evil one prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who is the one who's given guard over the flock? It's the shepherd, right? It's the shepherd. So as he has that duty, has that weight of responsibility for us, has the work required to care, to provide, to help us, it's a significant burden, but yet we can be a joy to the one God has brought to lead us. There are certain kinds of work in the world that have really good tangible payoff. Uh, We we did VBS this week, and it was concrete and cranes. Uh, I won't sing the song for you. You're welcome. Uh, but it, it was all construction-themed, and, and, and I think that's why this came to my mind, because we talked about building the foundation and seeing the work getting done. And, and you know, there, there is something so rewarding about starting a job, seeing the job through, and, and then having the results right there in front of your eyes. I thought of several other jobs that are very similar to that. A cleaning as much as I hate cleaning, you know, when, you, when, you, when it started off and it was really bad and you did the work and you step back and look at it, you know, you can just kind of, you feel that satisfaction. It has that instant, real tangible payoff. Painting is another one that I, I enjoy that has that payoff moment. You know, just fixing things in general. I love to take something that's broken, worthless, useless, right? Put a little time, put a little effort, you know? Do tighten up a couple screws, do a little grease, and the next thing you know, it's back in business. You know, you save a little money, and you have that satisfaction of knowing that you've done the job there. Mowing, mowing. As much, I, as, much as I hate mowing grass, it's hard not to stop after you've put the mower up, you put the trimmer up, right? You, you did the blower, and, and you just kind of, <sighs> yep, <sighs> looks good, looks good. Wouldn't it be wonderful? to provide that feeling for the shepherd that God's calling here for Pastor Jared? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to know that you are a source of joy in his life, that as he has led, as he has poured into our lives, that he can stand back, he can survey what God is doing as he is faithful to his master, as we are faithful to Jesus Christ and to the leaders that he has brought into our lives, knowing what it took, knowing it was work, But seeing the final finished job, let's give our godly leaders that same feeling, being willing, being open to obey and submit as they lead us, teach us to be a source of joy. So that's the first. Obey and submit your godly leaders as God would have you to do. And the second, and I hope that you've already been doing this, the second is to pray. To pray for your godly leaders in verses 18 and 19. And that's the simple command there. 
the writer says, pray for us. <laughs> pray for us, right? Of all these things that we're going through, pray for us. And he, and, and he gives a reason. Again, I love when they give reasons. It makes it so much easier to understand what's going on. Four, four, here's the reason. We are convinced that we have a clear conscience. We don't have time to dive into the word conscience there, but it's a, it's a popular word, again, in the book of Hebrews. In short, uh, it's, it's uh, this co-knowledge, the sense of knowing that you have right standing before God and knowing that God knows uh, who you are and the pattern of your life. So as those people would, would come and offer sacrifices, they would know that God has promised that as they're faithful to offer these sacrifices, that they would be cleansed and that they would be righteous in right standing, having a clear conscience before God. And of course, now, now, so much better than the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Now we have Jesus Christ, the once for all perfect sacrifice that we can look at, we can point to, and we can know, just as the writer of Hebrews says, that we have a clear conscience. We know our record. Amen. We, we know the things that, that God could call us into account for, but we also know his promise that through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, we are once the unrighteous, now clean and the righteous, a clear conscience before God. The leaders are requesting prayer here, not so much for salvation, but that they have a clear conscience towards God, knowing that they have fulfilled the calling. Again, this whole section revolves around leading and leaders. They know that they are trying their very best in in their God-given capabilities to lead well, to execute the work that God has given them. A shepherd, this, this writer of Hebrews is one of these shepherds, one of these leaders, and that's how he's calling them to obey and to submit and also here to pray. Why do they have this This clear conscience, because they know, it says uh, there in verse 18, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. The pattern, the conduct of their lives, bringing honor to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The source of the confidence is clear. It's the desire to honor God with the sacrifice, the offering of their lives. But not just a personal way of living but also in that giving of account, because just as they are leaders, one day they will have to give an account for what they have been entrusted with as well. I'm reminded of the man in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, who says to Jesus, and and I can relate to this one, I do believe, help my unbelief. Have you been there? Have you been there where you know God's promises and you trust God's promises, but you just... You just want God to help you a little bit. God, just help me. I do trust you. I do believe in you. Just help me to do this thing you've called me to do. I can relate to that. And so they're asking, saying, I want God's will in my life. I want to finish well. I want to do what God has called me to do. Pray for us that we would have that clear conscience before God one day. God, you gave me work to do, and I did my very best. And I offer up to you my life as a sacrifice. This is the request of prayer that we find here in verse 18. And then in verse 19, we see another side of this prayer request. He says, and especially, so general prayer, right? Let give, Have God give us the strength we need to do the work he's called us to do so we can have a clear conscience, right? But then especially, so now we get a little bit more focused of a prayer request, that I might be restored to you very soon. There's something important about being present. And and I know that Pastor Jared is excited 
to come, to be, not, not just to know us, not just even to see us from a distance, if he's, if he's watching this morning, good morning, uh, but, you know, to actually be here with us, among us. You know, the shepherds don't watch the flocks, you know, from, from way far away, right? They're there with the sheep, leading them, guiding them, keeping them together, leading them through those green pastures and besides the still waters. This is the shepherding that they do for us here among us. And so the writer is praying, especially, not just help me do the work God's called me to do, you know, amen, that's a good prayer, right? But man, this Bring me back to you. Let me be restored. So something physical has separated. Something has caused separation. The request is to be restored. The prayer is for the physical circumstances to be such that the writer can be there with them, can rejoin the congregation. Prayer for them, providing for them. I thought about uh, the classic passage about not muzzling the ox as it's treading out the grain. In uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 9, Paul refers to this. He also refers to it in 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. Of course, that comes originally from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 25 verse 4. But not muzzling the ox as it's treading out the grain. There is an element of leading that they need that support, right? The the whole purpose... uh, uh, in, in providing these shepherds with sheep to watch over is that as they're sheared and as they're brought to market, those things produce a profit for the, the master, for the owner, and then he shares that profit there with the shepherd. So there is a point and there is a purpose to all of these things, and there is a requirement of being able to provide physically for that. So as we think about what should we pray for this godly leader that God is bringing to shepherd over us. Uh, first, I think we see for mental and for spiritual protection. We need to be praying that God would guard Pastor Jared's heart. That God would guard his mind as well. That, that God would lead him personally in his faith. That he might be able to best lead us in the ways that we need to go. We need to pray for his mental and his spiritual protection, that clear conscience. We want him to have that clear conscience as he's been called here to do this work that he knows he's following God's will. We want to pray for his mental, spiritual protection, but also for emotional strength and endurance. We've talked several times about how, and of course the whole biblical metaphor is about how being a shepherd is, it's tough. It's rough. It's a challenge. There's dangers all around. You think David, he was out there shepherding the flock and he had to kill the bear and he had to kill the lion and he had to go after those sheep and watch and care for them. We see that imagery all over the Bible of how being a shepherd is difficult. And so we want to pray for his emotional strength and for his endurance. And then, of course, as it says there in the last that they might be restored to, to, there's a physical side of being here and serving among us. And so we want to also pray for the physical provision as well as the protection. Whatever it was that kept the writer away from the congregation, he was praying, asking that those circumstances, physical circumstances, would be changed, would be different, that he would be provided for and be able to be there with him because there's something important about being together. So we pray for our godly leaders. You know, I I thought about... Uh, baseball. I've been thinking a lot about baseball. I'll be honest, I think a lot about baseball all the time, all right? Baseball is my favorite. I love baseball. Baseball is a funny sport, though. Uh, there, there are more uh, quirks and traditions and superstitions and things that go with the game of baseball than, than any other sport for sure. So much so that the Topps Baseball Company 
in 2018, actually released a series of baseball superstitions, okay? I don't know how well you can read those up on the screen, but uh, there's a guy drawing in the batter's box. So that every time they come up to the plate, they, they draw the same little shape or whatever in the batter's box. Uh, whatever they eat before the game, they're, they're, they're consistent, right? They always eat the same uh, meal right before they play. They don't want to throw things off, right? Uh, having the same seats in the dugout is the next one there. Not talking about a no-hitter, right? If, 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 the, if the pitcher's doing well and he's, nobody mentions it. Nobody's like, man, hey, you're, you got a no-hitter so far. They, they consider that, right? That's, that's the best way to end the no-hitter is to talk about the no-hitter. So we don't talk about the no-hitter. Uh, the postseason beards, the funky socks, certain numbers, uh, the, the little ritual they do when they first get to the dugout in between innings, uh, the batting gloves, they got you, you see them all the time, right? They call time, and what do they do? Unvelcro, unvelcro, unvelcro. Did they come loose? No, they didn't. It's just a thing, right? It's just they got to get in the zone, right? Uh, the rally caps, I love a good rally cap, right? So many different uh, things that they got to do. But if you think about baseball, it's, it's such a sport of, of just minute details, right? The difference between a, a great hitter and a great season and the difference between a struggling hitter and a hard season, th- there's almost no way you can tell, right? The whole package just has to come together. The mental game has to be there. The physical game has to be there. Their confidence has to be strong. You can't step up to the plate thinking you're going to strike out because the only thing that's guaranteed to happen when you walk up to the plate that way you're going to strike out, right? It just, it just is, it gets in your head that way. You know, I thought about this because as a pastor comes, as he comes here to shepherd this flock, it's such a multifaceted calling. There's so many elements that come together in leading and guiding a church, and they all have to come together just right. And so we are called here as the writer of Hebrews asks his congregation, I feel God puts the same call on us as sheep to pray for our shepherd. Pray for him mentally, emotionally, physically. Believers should obey and submit and pray for their godly leaders. It's good to be the sheep, amen? I I don't know if this is like the side uh, conclusion here, but like, you know, uh, being a pastor is not always, you know, the easiest job in the world. James uh, talks about not many of you should be teachers because they'll be held to a stricter judgment. We see, we see this same concept. Uh, it is a high calling. And so I'm glad to be counted with y'all as sheep here in this flock. God has intended us to be communities of believers, to be gathered together and to be shepherded and led by the godly leaders that he calls. As a believer, we're called to be faithful towards the leaders God has given the task of shepherding his flock. That's what I hope that you can lock in and take away this morning. We know that discipleship is a duty of every believer, giving discipleship and receiving discipleship. Some of y'all are Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. Some of y'all are just a mom, a dad, an uncle, a grandma. All of these are opportunities where God would have us to lead and to shepherd those who are around us as well. Because every Christian is given gifts of the Holy Spirit, different Different gifts of the Holy Spirit, but all put together, used together for the building up of the body. We all have work to do. Pastor Jared is coming to do the work God has called him to do. We respond as he's faithful. We respond and come alongside him and do the work that God has called us to do. 
In Ephesians, it says, And he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Just as God has called Pastor Jared here, God has a calling for us as he comes to obey, submit, and to pray for this man. So, final uh, applications here. First, support. Support this new pastor. Do that by obeying and submitting as he leads and teaches. Do it by being that source of joy. Do it by praying for him. If you haven't already, start praying for your pastor because there's great profit in it for us if he leads us well. Amen? There's great profit in it for us if he leads well, if he leads well. So pray, 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 pray for your pastor. Help him accomplish the work that God has called him to do. Be that source of joy. Yes, work is hard, but it's satisfying to look back and to know that this church is completing the mission that God has given all of us as a congregation to accomplish here in Olive Branch. Participate then is the last in the mission God has has given this body of believers, this community of faith, here in this city, this state, this nation. Be the flock. Be the group of believers. Be the Christians. Be the fellowship that God has called us to be, that we might all bring great glory to God. I hope I don't butcher it too badly, but I know Pastor Jared already is fond of this phrase, the mission of God for the glory of God. And I pray that that's what we could be as the flock, shepherded, uh, to do well for the glory of God. And then we find our, our last two verses. We can pray along with this, this closing section. This, these next two verses, this is the big finish of the whole book of Hebrews, but it's also the finish here to this section individually as well. It goes from the local leaders, kind of focused in on how we should relate to them. The, the lens draws back, if you will, and we see how all of us submit to the great leader, even calls him here, uh, the great shepherd as well. The request here, the prayer that is voiced here at the end of Hebrews is for God to help believers fulfill their responsibility, enabled by the better work of Jesus Christ to do his will. That's the closing prayer of Hebrews, is to do God's will. So our time now is to reflect on your conscience before God. Have you obeyed and submitted to the great shepherd, Jesus Christ? Or do you yet need to be cleansed by the better, perfect offering that he has given once for all? Maybe you have, but the pattern of your life is not bringing joy to your Lord, is not bringing joy to Jesus, but rather is bringing that grief, that groaning that we don't want for our, our shepherds here. We definitely don't want for our Lord and Savior. Are you a joy to him? Maybe you know what God's will, God's call is for your life, but you're afraid, you're reluctant, you're hesitant to really grab hold of what God has for you and follow him in faith, trusting that he'll equip you to do the work he's called you to do. Maybe you just need God to be what these last verses here call him, the God of peace. You may find yourself in a, a rock in a hard place with, with all these restrictions and things that can feel very overwhelming in the world right now. Maybe more than ever, we need God to be for each of us 
that God of peace. Whatever it is, let his peace bring you back to him. As he, as you cast your cares on him, he cares for you. These last two verses serve as our prayer and our invitation for this morning. I'm going to ask if we could to stand and to read these last verses together and then respond to them as he would want, as God would want, respond to him to do his will. So we'll have these last two verses here on the screen, and I'm going to ask if we could read those together uh, as a flock, as a congregation, and then uh, our invitation will be open. So Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, with the blood of the everlasting covenant. Equip you with all that is good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, the glory belongs to him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This is our... This is our invitation time. If you're online with us, the response is to click that prayer button. We have people waiting that would like to, to speak with you in that online chat. For us here in person, our invitation is a little different this morning. As we close and dismiss, uh, here on this side, the, the last classroom before you get to the, the front foyer there, we're going to have some encouragers there. If you have a need for prayer, if you want to talk to someone more, about salvation. Uh, we'd ask you to respond in that way. So in this time, as we sing, uh, consider how God would have you do his will this morning.